Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know the holidays are upon us, and that means it's time to make sure that you've tied up all the loose ends before we welcome in 2024. So today we put together a few things you should be sure to do before the end of the year. Just listen right up. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm Steve Siddall. We have uh, Kevin, of course, helping folks for more than 30 years. Uh, he is an independent. He's fiduciary, an investment advisor, representative, Silverleaf Financial, silverleaffinancial.com. And uh, boy, here we go, Kevin. Uh, how are you? We're doing great. It's always good to be here, Steve. Well, and you know, you said it, the holidays are here and, and we say it every year, but it's it just they go so quickly these days. I don't know. I don't think I like it. No, I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it. I know they go. They go faster every year, right? Yeah, it it's, seems uh, like it. I, I think that you know. I think the older you get, I think that's uh, you know just just the way that it is. Just the way and that so, it is. And so, you know, I guess that means we just have to try to enjoy them that much more. I guess that. And, well, no, I think you're right. You know, and uh, make make the best of it, and uh, you know, enjoy the the wonderful holiday turkeys and the Thanksgiving and the holiday meals, and uh, you know, I say we enjoy it. And, um, you know, enjoy some football as well. Enjoy some football as well. Yeah, it should be. There should be a couple of good games on, on Thanksgiving, huh? Yeah, there are. And they actually added another one. I think for a long time there was two, and now they added a now third. There's a third one. Exactly. There's, right. And then this year, for the very first time, we also have a game on Black Friday. Right. I've, I've been seeing that promo, too. Yeah. So for, for football fans out there like me, and, you know, so you can watch Thursday, Friday, and then we got it again on Sunday and Monday, right? Yes, so, of course. So, hey, you know, it's a great football weekend. It's a great time to get together with family and friends and, and also have a nice Thanksgiving meal. Exactly. And uh, what we're going to talk about here are things that, uh, you know, based in reality that we have to go back to is uh, we got to tie up some things before the end of the year when it comes to retirement planning. And it's, it's pretty obvious stuff, but we should remember if we're going to contribute any more to our 401k, that's got to be handled by the end of the year. Yes, and that's a big difference, you know, with your IRA because with the IRA, you know, you can you can put money into the IRA all the way up until April fifteenth of twenty four, 
and still get the tax deduction for your 23 tax return. Sure. So that's the big difference, right, between the 401k and the IRA. Make sure you max out that 401k, folks, before the end of the year. Take advantage of that employer match. If you if you don't max it out, at least make sure you get the entire employer match. Sure. And, uh, of course, uh, with the end of the year and uh, us all getting older, uh, for folks, there's going to be RMDs. You've got to have that RMD out before the 31st of December as well. Yes. And guys, you know what? Don't please don't wait any longer. If you have not already taken your required distribution for, for calendar 23, make sure you get that in the, that paperwork in and get the instructions uh, to your custodian, whoever holds those assets for you. Uh, because I work with a lot of different companies in terms of uh, comp processing, you know, required minimum distributions. And I've gotten notices from several of them that December 1st is the cutoff. Oh, so so they're saying if you get it to us, those forms to us after the first, we cannot guarantee that we're going to process it in time to satisfy that requirement. Wow. So, so, I mean, in reality, we should really discuss that with you, say, in October. Yes, it should be October, November at the latest. OK. All right. And what I recommend, guys, I recommend everybody set these up to uh, to pay you automatically. All right. Because I've I've been doing this since 1990, 33 coming up on 34 years and I'll tell you, it, it is a pain in the butt every single year. And even though I have for years and years and years suggested and recommended that everybody process these ahead of time, inevitably, two days before Christmas, I guarantee you somebody is going to call me and say they forgot to take it. Of course. And then I've got to, right? And then I got to explain to them, I can't promise you they're going to get it done in time. Okay, guys, you got to step step back for a second and think about how many people take the, take the holidays off. So how many employees at these companies are taking off the, for the Christmas holidays. Of course. And that, right? And then imagine they're getting bombarded with all these extra, all these extra requir distribution requirements, all these extra forms, in addition to the regular paperwork they get every day. All right. So they're getting a much far increased workload with half the staff. All right. And so that's why they're putting out these memos saying, hey, give us at least three or four weeks to get this done. And then we can assure you that it won't be a problem. But don't wait. I recommend. Get it personally. I like setting the payments up for middle of November because then you get the money before Thanksgiving. You get it before the holidays. You have plenty of time for them to process it. I recommend, as I mentioned, do it automatically. So every year, middle of November, boom, they send you the money and you're and it's taken care of. Well, that's like a Christmas club waiting to happen. That's 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 why I like doing it, right? Because yeah. it's, it's before the holidays, and and a lot of people like you know, it's it's nice to get some extra money before the holidays. And one of the other things that you can do, and that needs to be done before the end of the year, is uh, take advantage of the IRA distribution to charity. Yes, you know what? Anybody that has charitable desires, or, or if you if you give uh, make charitable contributions on a regular basis, a great way to do it is to take if if you don't obviously if you don't need the RMD, if you don't need that required distribution. You can transfer it directly to a charity and not pay a dime of tax, all right, and give the money to a charity. So, but it's really important. It has to go directly to the charity, all right? So set it up with your advisor. If you're not sure how to do it, by all means, transfer your account to me, and I'll take care of it for you every year. Okay. And, and do you see a lot of people doing that? Because I know if you're a good saver, I mean, maybe that RMD money isn't, isn't necessary. Yeah, you know what I do? I do have a good amount of people that are do, that do it. And and in fact, I've got, um, well, most of my clients, in fact, tell me that, you know, the uh, they don't need the money, right? Okay, that sure. They, they've got other income, they've got investment income, um, and any number of other sources of income, and they don't need the money. In fact, a lot of people actually get upset that they have to take it. 
because because they don't want to pay the tax bill. And and so I met I talked to them about charities and and some of them have established charities and others set up their own. In fact, I've I've got one client I've mentioned before that um, her husband passed away unexpectedly in his you know early to mid sixties, and um, he had a, a PhD in he had a PhD in physics from Tel Aviv University in Israel. Okay, and and so what she did is she set up a scholarship at a foundation so that every year. They gave out one scholarship to a male and one to a female, and and I'm not going to get into the whole gender thing. Um, she gives out two scholarships a year, two students in the physics program at Tel Aviv University in Israel, and she's been doing that for many years. And so every year, I transfer the money from her IRA directly to the foundation, so she doesn't have to pay tax on the money, and it goes to satisfy uh, the required distribution amount, and she's helping you know, prepare future physics students, you know, for the world by, by providing them with a scholarship. Right. I mean, again, that's a great, I mean, a legacy that lives on in, in, in the name of her husband. It, it is 100, 100%. Every, and every year, you know, they, they have a, they have a ceremony where they award, you know, the scholarships and mm-hmm. people, you know, everybody gets together. And, um, and, and so it's, I think it's a fantastic legacy. I think it's a great tribute to her husband. And, and so definitely, um, you know, you guys can do that if you need help figuring that out. Give me a call. I'd be happy to talk to you about how she did it uh, if you'd like to set something up like that for yourself. Sure. And, and let me just remind everyone of a phone number, 800-975-6717, if you want to call Kevin. Uh, the website is a great way to reach out as well. That's silverleaffinancial.com. You can send Kevin an email straight from the homepage. And um, so as we start looking at this, one of the other things we got to talk about at the year as the year draws to a close is taxes. Yay, because that's a happy topic. <laughs> Well, doesn't everybody love talking about taxes? Of course we do. You know, it is uh, it, what I do think people like talking about, right? Because we know nobody likes talking about taxes. But what we do like talking about or hearing about is ways to reduce our taxes. Yes. All right. And so now this time of year is anybody that's been in the stock market, I'm sure you've heard the phrase tax loss selling. All right. So the month of December, that's what a lot of folks will do. And that's what I would encourage you to do. Take a look at your portfolio. Look at your holdings. If you're sitting on some unrealized losses, check out the prospects of the future. Do some research. Talk to your advisor and figure out whether you want to hold on to that position for it to come back. Or if you think you'd be better off taking the loss, write it off on your taxes and reinvesting the proceeds elsewhere. And now, by the way, let me give you just a couple of ideas. All right. There are some rules out there that prohibit you from let's say selling it today and buying it back tomorrow. Okay. Uh, that would be called a wash sale, right? W-A-S-H. The IRS calls it a wash sale and you've got to be out of it for at least 30 days or otherwise they're going to disqualify and not let you take that right off. So what do you do, right? Well, if it's a stock, maybe you look at the sector, right? Maybe look at the sector and say, you know what? Um, maybe I'll take the loss on Target and maybe I'll reinvest that money into Macy's. Something like that. Okay. All right. So, so you can maintain, like, if it's a retail stock or a pharmaceutical or whatever it is, you know, maybe, maybe if, if, if you've got a loss in one uh, small technology stock, maybe you buy a different tech stock. You know, it, it could have the same exposure. In other words, you could have the same exposure or the same position uh, to that sector or that area or industry that you want exposure to, but you can get the tax loss by selling one and going into another. Because a lot of times, the sector as a whole will trade in the same direction, you know, uh, not always, of course, there are exceptions, 
you know, um, but a lot of times they do, they do tend to move that way. Or for instance, that the banks, you know, if you've got a loss in Bank of America, maybe, maybe take the loss and reinvest the money into JP Morgan or Wells Fargo or what have you. So I imagine you got the idea. Right. Yeah, exactly. And again, these are the kinds of things that, that working with an advisor like you, an independent fiduciary, got a lot of experience. Those are the kinds of, of really tips, if you will, that can make a huge difference in the long run. Yes. And, and also remember that there is a limit to how much you can write off in your taxes and your tax write-offs, of course, are only for non-qualified accounts, or we call that, you know, just regular money. Yeah. Um, in other words, unfortunately, you cannot take a tax write-off from a retirement account because you didn't pay taxes on it to begin with. All right. So unfor- that's the downside of an IRA is you can't take that tax loss. But with regular accounts, you can just remember there's a $3,000 cap. So you can, you can, uh, Write off losses in excess of your gains, so you can take three thousand more in losses than you had in gains. But if you have more than that in losses, then you have to be really good with the record keeping because you're going to have to carry that forward to future years. Okay, so if you do have a loss that's more than three thousand dollars greater than your gain, make sure you write a note to yourself or something so that you remember to carry that forward in future years. So you don't lose that tax deduction. Right. Because that, I mean, that can make a huge difference too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So if you've got, I don't know, $9,000 in losses, you know, over and above your gains, you can only write off three this year. So that means you'd have six grand that you could carry forward in losses for future gains. Nice. Right? Yeah. So, so it's you know very important to have good records so that you don't lose those write-offs. Absolutely. And um, I like this one too. Pay today for a tax efficient tomorrow. In other words, think about a Roth. Yeah, you know what? I'm a big, you, you know, Steve, I talk I talk about it all the time. I always say, you know, tax-free are two of my favorite words. Yes, indeed. Um, you know, and, I'm, and, I, and I am a big fan of Roth because to me, if, if you look at tax rates where they are now, they're basically at or near the lowest they've been, uh, I believe, in like roughly the last 100 years. Wow. All right. In fact, if you go back 100 years, you're going to see the rates were probably double where they are right now. Um, you know, so I, to me now, it doesn't mean, of course, the rates are necessarily going higher, but in my opinion, tax rates are going higher. Yeah, in the of course, future. it just I, seems like I can't how, I mean, I, I, I think if tax rates don't go higher, I think the country's going to go bankrupt. Honestly, we've got $33 trillion in debt. If we don't start raising taxes, I don't personally see any way we're going to get out of this mess. So you're not, they're not going to be able to do it just by cutting spending. There's no way. All right. So if you share, if you share that opinion, if you think tax rates will be higher, you might be able to benefit by paying the taxes now, converting it to a Roth, and then letting it grow tax-free. So that's how we're talking about paying today for tax-efficient tomorrow. Because with that Roth, one, you got to follow the rules. You know, the five got to be in place five years, things like that. But then all of the growth, all of it is going to come back to you tax-free. So personally, that's one thing that I'm doing. I'm using Roth IRAs, and for me and my wife, and I'm using an HSA, a health savings account, which is another account that. Uh, um, if you're if you're qualified now, this doesn't work for everybody uh, because you have to have a high deduct you have to have a, a high deductible health plan. It's got to be HSA, you know, approved if you will, or HSA qualified. Uh, so you should look into that though. If you have flexibility in choosing your medical insurance, because now is the time of year when people do that. So every year this time between November fifteenth and middle of January. Well, I, I don't I don't like waiting until January. But this is when I evaluate my health plan that I have for me and my wife because I'm self-employed. So I, I, you know, we, I choose the plan every year. And you can choose to get one that's HSA qualified if you can 
that is the only account that's truly tax-free. It's better than a Roth. It's better than an IRA because you get the tax. You, you don't pay tax on the money when you put it in. You get the tax right off. It grows tax-free and you can take it out tax-free as long as it's for qualified expenses, which are very broad. And let me just mention, guys, it doesn't, it, it, it can carry forward. So what me and my wife are doing, I'm, you, I'm funding the HSA and I'm letting it grow until we're in our 70s. That's the plan. All right. If I'm you know, fortunate enough. And so but the plan is to let it grow. And what we're doing is we're keeping records and files of all of our medical expenses. And the IRS lets you do this. It's 100 percent legal that all of those expenses that accrue over the next 10, 15, 20 years, you can then pay yourself back with that money from the HSA. And it's totally tax free, totally legitimate. All right. Wow. So that personally is what me and my wife are doing. That's a I mean, that's so fantastic. And that's something that so few people, I think, really understand about, you know, about an HSA in, in, in general. I, I, I do think there's a big uh, lack of understanding about it. I, I'm really puzzled by it, to be honest, because I, I think it should be on the front page of the papers. I mean, if if uh, I mean, there's no other account, every other account, the IRA, you know, you pay the tax when it comes out, the Roth IRA, you pay the tax when it goes in. The HSA, you never pay the tax as long as you're qualified and you've got the right insurance and you, and you follow the rules. You never pay tax on that money. It is the only truly tax-free, triple tax-free that's out there. And well, so if you're able to, take advantage of it. And what you're doing is so creative in that you're getting reimbursed for expenses that, that happened a long time ago. And obviously those bills have been paid. Yes. So you're just oh, paying yeah, yourself yeah. back. I'm, I'm paying. That's that's exactly right. We're going to be paying ourselves back and using that money probably to go on vacation or okay. travel or something. Oh, man, that's right? su such a great idea. Such a great thing. Um, I so, think it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, folks, if you got questions, reach out to Kevin. Uh, obviously, knows what he's talking about there. And and um, this is another year end thing. And and but that is reviewing our uh, beneficiary designations. And that's that's an important piece. Just just glance over and make sure they're correct. Yes, it, it is really important, and especially especially as people get older, because I've run into a lot of situations where uh, people have set up accounts many years ago, if not decades ago, and they never bothered, they never they never thought to look at it or review it. And and you got to remember, you know, life happens, marriage, divorce, right, birth and death. And and I've I've met a lot of people that they had a beneficiary, like a, a previous wife that he divorced, you know, more than ten years ago, who was still listed as a beneficiary. Uh, I've had other cases, um, you know, where a husband dies. Um, I had a case where the husband died not that long back, and he never updated his beneficiaries after his wife, who had predeceased him, right? So that so that it it's, it doesn't mean the kids lose the inheritance or anything like that, but it makes it just makes it more cumbersome because there's a lot more paperwork to file. In this case, the kids also had to provide proof of the mother's death, um, you know, before they were able to receive their inheritance. So so make sure you check out. Stay on top of your beneficiary designations to make sure the money's still going where you want it to go, um, in the order that you want it to go with your with regard to primary and contingent um, beneficiaries to make sure it goes to the person or source that you want it to. So, uh, how important are the contingent beneficiaries? I mean, I think you know, if, if I've got the main one there and and maybe one more, uh, how many more should we have? You know what I, I like having. I always like having contingent beneficiaries, and it's it, it's a sensitive topic because no most people don't like talking about their you know their own demise. I know, uh, but but you have to remember, guys. If you're a married couple, chances are you travel together a lot, right? You drive in the car together, and unfortunately, sometimes people get in an accident. So if if you're with your spouse and something happens, you both die at the same time. 
if you don't have contingent beneficiaries listed, then that could very well wind up in, in court going through probate. And that could take years and could cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So I strongly recommend having secondary or contingent beneficiaries. It only comes into play if something happens to the primary, right? Mm -hmm. But by setting it up ahead of time, you ensure that if something does happen to both you and your spouse, that your kids uh, or whomever you designate will still get the money without having to wait. So one of the other things that we can talk about is a little bit about Social Security. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? I think that's right. Every year, you know, we get some changes. The, the government, you know, these our politicians, I think they just like messing with things, right? That's all. Right. They, they, they just want to come up with new rules, write new rules. Anyway, so so the good news is you're getting the Social Security recipients are going to get a raise this year. It's not nearly as big as last year's was almost 9%. Um, this year, I believe is 3.2% is what I'm told. And so uh, the average recipient, the average individual is get. It's in the mid 1800s, so it's going to be like an extra 60 bucks a month, roughly. Uh, the average couple, uh, which is kind of a little bit puzzling because the average individual gets like 1850, but the average couple claiming jointly gets about three grand. So that, that kind of that math kind of puzzles me. Yeah. Um, but the, but those are the numbers. So the good news is that even after they raise uh, the cost of your Medicare uh, Part B premium, uh, that you're still going to have extra money, a little bit extra money you know, to pay your bills and things like that. So it is, that is going to take place in, in January. Um, they've also raised the amounts of, you, you know, one thing guys, one thing I would, I would love it if people were aware of is that there's a cap in terms of how much, when you stop paying into social security, right? This year is about 160,000. Next year it's going to about 168, I believe. Um, and so in other words, everybody that makes more money than that, you stop paying into social security once you cross that threshold. And to me, that is the simplest, easiest thing to fix, because we've all heard Social Security is running between 20 and 25% short in the next eight to 10 years. If Congress does nothing, then I, then I don't see any way that benefits will not be cut by that amount, roughly 23%, okay? So make sure when you vote, you're thinking about who's going to support Social Security, all right? Do you want them to cut it like the Republicans are talking about, or do you want them to expand benefits like the Democrats are talking about? So in my opinion, I am 59 years old, and I'm planning to claim at about the time they're saying the program is you know, not going to go bust, but uh, only have 77% of the money needed. And so my votes are going Democrat because I think they got, I think they're the ones that are likely to support my position the best. So you make the decision, but take a look at what's important to you. Over 70 million people are on Social Security, and I hear very few people talking about solid plans to fix it. I personally liked it when, was that the State of the Union when Biden called everybody out? I really wish he would do that again on national television because that's my biggest concern is Medicare or Social Security not getting the funding that they need to, to continue. So I think if they got rid of the wage cap and everybody pays into Social Security, even if you're making a billion or $5 billion or $10 billion a year, you should be, still be paying same, the same amount on into Social Security as everybody else. Does that not mess up how much their payments would be? I mean, they're going to have to put uh, some kind of means testing in there because if you know if you make a million dollars and you pay for a million dollars, isn't ultimately your Social Security benefit going to go up? It 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 would if they changed the formula. Right now, there's a cap. You know, there is a right. maximum that you can receive on Social Security. So theoretically, they would have to raise that cap if they, let's say they eliminate the, the wage cap of 160 grand or 168. Yeah. If they eliminate that, 
then they could raise they could raise the the, the maximum amount as well. But they don't have to, right? They don't okay. have to. Th- these are all rules that that they wrote. They're you know they can they don't have to is my answer. All right. <laughs> and so I think if somebody has a you know to me it's not a program that's supposed to benefit the wealthy. This is a program to benefit the middle class and to make sure people aren't living in poverty when they're retired. Right. Yes. And, and, and so I don't personally think they need to raise the maximum benefit, even though they tax them more. I think that Steve, to me, the answer is simple. They've got to start taxing wealthy people far more than they're taxing them. Now that's the answer. Estate taxes, income taxes, every tax you can think of, I think should be imposed on these, on people making over half a million dollars a year. They've got, they've clearly have excess income compared to the average person. You've got CEOs that are making 40, 50, 60 million dollars a year. We've got you know entertainers, recording artists, athletes making tens of millions of dollars a year. I don't think they need a bigger social security check. <laughs> well, I put up a tendency to agree with you on that one. The um, um, so where where do you see means testing coming in? Does that because that couldn't that be a, sort of a, a companion piece to the, the raising the cap? Oh, I think I think it definitely could be, and and th- th- there should definitely be that discussion. Um, but but politically, politically, do you think you're going to be able to raise taxes on wealthy people and at the same time tell them they're going to get a smaller benefit? Though, I <laughs> I just don't think I can't see politically how any how, how that could pass. Right. Um. You, you know, and and but guys, you you re- you really need to pay attention to it and and don't write it off. I mean, it's something that forty percent of Republicans have said. They want to raise the retirement age and they want to try to cut benefits. And, and there's a big piece of the population that just thinks that's not true. And yes, it is 100% true. All right. Just look at Rick Scott's plan about what was it? Saving America. What do you call it? Saving America or something. He came out with his plan over a year ago where he said they wanted all government programs to sunset after five years. That includes Social Security. That means they would have to vote on it again. And that means you're giving them control to stop it or cut the program. It's in his plan. All right. So just just look it up and you'll see that I'm, I'm not making this up. I am sincerely concerned about the solvency of these programs. And to me, by eliminating the wage cap and increasing the payroll tax slightly on everybody, but also increase it more on people making above a certain income. So maybe individuals over 250 and couples over 400 grand. I think most people would agree those 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 are ex, you know higher in, excessive incomes that should enable you to live a good life. Mm-hmm. And I think right and right now there are some other taxes that kick in uh, on Medicare, right, for high income people. Right. Uh, why don't we do the same thing to strengthen these programs? Well, I mean, and again, that's, you, that makes sense. You know, I, I the fact of the matter is you got to take take the money from the people that have it, right? So people like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. And Jeff Bezos, I mean, come on, Bezos got divorced, gave his wife half or half, and he still got $200 billion, $200 billion after giving McKenzie half. All right. So I, I just think it I, I, I think it's outrageous uh, that people have such incredible wealth in this country. And at the same time, we've got a bunch of people living homeless on the street. Of course, it just doesn't equate doesn't right. equate for me. Well, and again, so the Medicare Part B, let's talk about that for a second, because that is, in effect, means testing. And so if you and it's a two year look back with that. And that means that your Medicare premium could instead of being, what, 174 this coming year, uh, it could be it could be considerably more than that. 
It could be. And this really only hurts people that had, you know, I've had some clients that retired and they had a good income, uh, meaning, you know, like three, $350,000 a year. Um, and because of that two year look back, the first year that he retired, he had to pay quite a bit more in his Medicare Part B premium because he was, they were looking at income from when he was still working. Sure. So you've got to take, you got to take action and notify social security so that, so that they realize, otherwise they're going to keep doing it so that they realize that you're no longer at that level. Um, and, and so it's another situation where I, I want to say the income level, I, I believe is around 180 or 190,000 that if you make more than that, you'll pay potentially pay more for Medicare. Um, but there's many other things too. Some people have property tax exemptions. If you make too much, you could lose that. Um, you know, so there are other things that will go up. Um, but I'll tell you what the means testing, in my opinion, it's not drastic enough because I believe the most expensive Medicare part B premium is four, four to $500. All right. Mm -hmm. So think, think, think about it. Most people are paying what? 160, 170, 180, somewhere in there. Yes. And so the highest it goes, let's say it triples, right? Let's say it triples. So you got a person making 50 grand that's paying the, I don't know, a little less than $200. Right. Yep. So triple, right. Well, think, think about these really, really wealthy people. They're making far, they, they're making, their income is far more than triple. Right. Yeah. It could be 10, 20, 30 times. So why isn't their premium 10, 20, 30 times more? I mean, I just I think I think the top levels don't go high enough and the top tax brackets don't go high enough either. You know, a lot of these things were written long before people ever made a billion dollars. Yes. But now they're making multi, now they're making several billion a year. A lot, you know, there, there are a lot of people doing that. Guys, so something like 400 billionaires in the U.S. So. Um, there's plenty of money out there, but it's very concentrated in the, in the hands of the ultra wealthy. Exactly. And um, so a couple other things that uh, we talk about in getting into retirement. Uh, we've got some questions. Uh, do we want to grab one of those quick? Yeah. Why don't we do that? We haven't done that in a while. Yeah. Um, well, we've got Georgie and Georgie's wondering, she says, uh, I'm retired and have a portfolio with 40% stocks, 60% bonds using U.S. international index funds. Now, due to market volatility, I'm considering investing in an index annuity with 25 to 30% of my investment funds. Now, is an index annuity a good idea to include in a retirement portfolio? You know what? In my opinion, yes, it is. Um, I tell, I think index annuities. I think of them as a separate asset class because it's not going to perform exactly like any other vehicle. All right, index annuities. Just to give a quick uh, a quick reminder to everybody, the way an index annuity works is first of all, you're guaranteed that you cannot lose money because of the market index is dropping. All right, so you have principal protection. So this, a lot of people will call it safe money. These are for people. Index annuities are for, are for people that are looking for safety, but they're trying to make a little bit more than they could from guaranteed interest rates. So if you look at a lot of them right now, uh, the way that the company does this, the way a company will guarantee you can't lose money is they in turn put a cap on how much you can make. And so a lot of these have caps in the, in the 10 to 12% range now. Um, you know, so in other words, you put the money in and if the S&P 500 index goes up 10%, you'll make 10%. If it goes up 15%, you're capped at 10 and the insurance company keeps the difference. All right. There's no way anybody or any company could give you all the gain with none of the risk. Of course. All right. So, but if you look at them, if you've got a 10% cap, in my opinion, you're probably going to see seven to 8% average returns, let's say over five or 10 years. All right. So you can do that without any risk. And if you've got other, your other portfolio is in stocks and bonds, domestic and international, I think it's a very good thing to consider 
Just make sure you understand all the terms and that you're working with somebody that can help you, that can explain it to you and make sure that they position you in one of the better ones. All right. Yeah, because that is, I mean, that, that's the thing. I think she makes a, she makes a, she has a great question just about index annuities. I mean, it sounds like she's really sort of got her stuff together, if you will. It, it does. You know, a lot of people don't even, don't even know the words index annuity. Right. You know, so I, you know, so I give you credit for doing research and being aware of these products just, but also be aware with an index annuity, a lot of index annuities, they have favorable caps when you look at them, but make sure you understand that most of them can lower that cap. So you might have a 11% cap now, but if you read the contract and you look at the fine print, they can probably lower that cap down to one or 2%. All right. So ask yourself if, you, if you're comfortable with that, if you're good with that, that's fine. All right. But also at the same time, the reason I bring this up is I have companies that'll guarantee the same cap for the entire length of the contract. I want so one of those. I can, right. That's what I want. <laughs> yes. And that's what, that's what I'm doing. I've got a, ten, I've got a company that's an A rated company with a 10 and a half percent cap that'll guarantee that is guaranteeing that cap for the entire contract period of either five years or seven. I like the five and the seven year contracts and those terms are guaranteed the whole time. So to me, you know, why would you look at one where they can cut your cap when I can guarantee that this one won't be cut? So you want to make sure you understand those, those terms and, and the contract features before you sign on that dotted line. Absolutely. And again, one uh, one thought uh, going into uh, the holiday weekend. What uh, what do you see? Do you see anything happening? Is it just going to be a holiday weekend where, you know, the market does what the market does? And that's that. You know what? I it is kind of it is kind of looking like that. We do, we do have some big earnings coming out. You know, this week is NVIDIA, which is the you know, the leader in artificial intelligence and providing the chips that make that possible. So I think that's going to that's short term direction. Right. For, for the stock market. We've had, we've had earnings are coming out better than expected. The guys, the economy is actually doing better than expected. Yeah. Uh, unemployment is unemployment still below 4%, right? And, and, and the economy is actually, it's doing well. Uh, anybody that ha- you know, wants a job can get a job, if not two or three. So my opinion is if, if you're a mid to long-term investor, stick with the plan, keep on investing. And if the markets go on sale, if the markets drop, that's the time to increase your investments. Don't run the other direction. If the markets drop, you want to be a buyer. You Absolutely. Well, Kevin, on that note, let's wrap this up, and uh, I'll just say happy Thanksgiving to uh, you and, and uh, all the family. Yes, thank you, Steve, and happy Thanksgiving. I hope everybody has a safe and enjoyable holiday, and uh, feel free to write or call me anytime. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise 
create a retirement income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.